Are you new to teaching elementary music or do you feel like you're just spinning your wheels every day in your classroom? Maybe you're overwhelmed and honestly just don't know where to go for advice and mentorship. Hi, I'm Jessica, and when I'm not drinking all the coffee, watching Razorback sports, or hanging out with my family of boys, it's my passion to help elementary music teachers just like you teach your students by using your unique personality and teaching style. In this podcast, you'll find helpful tips, strategies, and ideas that will help you kick that stress to the curb and begin teaching music with confidence. Let's get started. Hey y'all, welcome back to the podcast. Today you are in for a treat. I am joined by the amazing Justin McLean, who is one of the duos, him and Eric have the podcast, The Score. And if you are not aware of this podcast, you need to go listen like right now. Well, maybe after you hear his episode today on my podcast, but I'm telling you, it's an amazing podcast and he's an amazing dude. And I'm so excited to interview him today about intentional bridge building in music classrooms. In this episode, we're going to talk about all the things about what building bridges really means, why it's so important, and ways to connect with your students on a deeper level. Let me tell you a little bit about Justin. He's currently the percussion director and assistant director of bands at Hightower High School and Lake Olympia Middle School Band in Fort Bend ISD. He is a Texas native raised in Rosenberg, Texas, in a humble community, which is right outside of Houston. He loves music, and he began his love of music at an early age, was heavily influenced in church through both gospel and secular artists and musicians. His ambitions propelled him to strive for excellence, not only in his personal aspirations, but also in his academic professional life and to his wife, Brittany, and three beautiful children, Lennox, Blaze, and Cairo. He received a bachelor's degree in music education from Prairie View A&M University in 2011 and has had the pleasure of educating and training young musicians as a band director and percussion instructor for the past nine years in Houston ISD and now Fort Bend ISD. He's also a devoted music director and student minister in his local church and currently pursuing a master's divinity degree, the Reformed Theological Seminary. So you're in, like I said, for a treat. This conversation was so good and we could have kept going for hours and hours and hours. It just flowed. And I know you were going to just feel like you're part of this conversation, which is honestly my goal with every single guest I have on here. So grab your cup of coffee, water, whatever you are drinking right now and join me and Justin for today's conversation. Okay, everybody, welcome back to the Elementary Music Teacher Podcast. I am super excited to be joined by Justin. I already introduced him in the intro a little bit, but I want him to tell you a little bit more about himself and his journey in becoming a music educator and anything else he would like to tell you about himself. So welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you. First off, I want to say thank you for having me. I think it's uh, it's really kind of a it's unreal that this is happening. Uh, me, and, me and Eric talk about this all the time that we just kind of started with just, you know, very basic intentions of just giving some of our information and, and what has helped us and things that have worked in our circumstances uh, just to help other music educators that may come up like us or come through the ranks like mm-hmm. us that whether they elementary, middle school, or high school. Yeah. So thank you. We appreciate the platform. I love what you're doing. Uh, but a little bit about myself. Uh, I'm a small town country boy. And I don't say that just to be very like PC, but I grew up in a small town outside of Houston, probably like 30, 45 minutes, just depending on where you are. Uh, it's called Rosenberg, Texas. Um, 
I, I was introduced to music through church, man. That is my first uh, inkling of notes and song and melody and rhythm. Um, my grandmother played a lot of gospel music and R&B and things of that nature. Grew up around all of those, hip hop, all that kind of stuff. But uh, church was definitely where I got introduced to music. And from there, I started playing drums at a young age. Probably about four or five is like my earliest memory of me kind of jumping on a, a stool that was taller than me and trying to hit on cymbals and things like that. Uh, but just had a natural knack for it. And from there, uh, I got into sixth grade. Now, by the time I got to sixth grade, I had already been playing in church. I had already been kind of familiar with music and all of these kinds of things but when i got to sixth grade there was the instrumental drive or a band run where you choose an instrument and this that and the third mm -hmm. so i'd already made up in my mind i was like mom i know we're going in here but i'm i'm a drummer and that's what i want to play that's what i want to do and she was like well you, you you should try to you know you never know i was like mom listen come on what are we doing all right i'm going here to play drums so long story short i went in and i i, I just I was rude to those guys. You know, I was just like, I don't want to play this. I don't want to play that. And I, I probably went through the motions and I ended up becoming a percussionist. Um, and that took me on through my journey, man. I think that church uh, musical or, or gospel music and playing in church along with learning um, in the, the, the infrastructure of the band world propelled me as a musician. I think I had a lot of natural ability uh, just doing it every Sunday or every Wednesday and all that kind of stuff. But on top of going to school and being introduced to a new platform and a new space of what music was, um, it kind of helped. And so from there, I went to Prairie Vietnam University, which is a uh, historical black college and university. And I studied music ed. Um, and I graduated spring 11. And I learned a lot there. Uh, it, it wasn't necessarily my... Uh, it, it, it probably wouldn't come up on the list of schools to go to for music uh, in the state of Texas or even in the U.S., just to be perfectly honest. Uh, but what I got there was I got great teaching from some of world-renowned professors and, and doctors. Um, I created long-lasting relationships, um, and they opened a lot of doors for me. And, and while I was there, I met Eric, who was my, my partner in crime for our, for our podcast, and we became good friends and, you know, I, I believe God puts people in your life for a specific reason. Nothing happens by chance. And so our friendship, when I graduated, he needed somebody to come and help him. And the friendship started, the work relationship started, and here we are today. And so uh, my goal is not to be the band savant as though I know everything, uh, yeah. but it's more so just to be a voice, uh, to be a, avenue for directors that look like me that may not even look like me that but may end up teaching in environments mm. that I grew up in uh that the kids that I taught in um that they could be successful and I just think that's what we do as musicians right like mm -hmm. even with your podcast and, and what, what we do we may have different contexts and environments but a lot of the things we do are the same we just mm -hmm. do them differently they manifest themselves differently and so um my goal is to to be that is to to be a voice to be a, a source of help and understanding and whatever kid is coming out of music ed school or, or going into teaching or 10 years in, 20 years in, the same way I can learn from them, I want them to learn from me. So mm -hmm. that's just that. a small tidbit. Yeah, 
I love that. And you are a band director, correct? Yes. And so you told me before we started recording that you have always, well, not always like for your whole life, but since you've been a music teacher, you've been a band director and that you love middle school. And so I want to kind of touch on this a minute because when you said that, I told you that a lot of the elementary music teachers I work with or talk to, they say to me that upper elementary, fourth and fifth grade usually is their hardest grade Mm -hmm. levels to teach. And so why were you telling me you love teaching middle school so much? Man, you know why? Because I feel like we look at education and sometimes we fall in love with the early and the after. And the Mm -hmm. after is like nine through 12. The early is kindergarten to about second or third grade. But that fifth through eighth, fourth through seventh grade, are the years that kids need teachers the most. And and, and those are the formative years. And I get it. Mm -hmm. They're hard years. You know, when you think about it, when I student taught, the fourth and fifth graders, they were a rowdy bunch. But they were in this weird place where I'm not a third grader. Like, I know how to go to the restroom without, you know, having an accident, right? (laughs) But at the same time, I'm I'm still scary about speaking in front of a crowd, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think we have to be, I think what it did for me was it made me want to, uh, be that 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 source of comfort uh, and accountability that those kids need as, as they are beginning to understand who they are, what they like, what they don't like, what are their, you know, non-negotiables, what, you know, we start seeing the essence of who they are start to really thrive. Like if they are a debater, then, you know, we could, we could see that as something is like, why are you debating me? But we want yeah. them to have a voice. If it's kids that are super helpful, you know, the kids in fourth and fifth grade that seem like, you know, teachers pets, but they're just people that really like, they have a servant heart. Right. And how do we help them understand that? Because we know middle school is, Oh, you're a teacher's pet. You know, you now you're bullied. You're being made fun of. So I think for me, it was, I'd rather go into a place where most people, most people wouldn't want to go uh, and be successful and, and just, do the hard work man i i love it i love seeing kids see what they can't do or 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 even just grow from a place um where they never thought they'd get out of you know and they get they hit eighth grade and they go to high school and they come back to me and they're able to be like mr mclean man i want to appreciate you and all this kind of stuff and for me i'm just like that's what i'm here for man I'm, i'm here to help you i'm here to do what needs to be done and so that was my that was my thing i want to go to the place where most people don't want to go because it's hard and it's frustrating and you know but it's so much joy there so much joy and I feel like I learned how to be a real educator at that school mm. you know in my position now although I'm not solely a band director I'm a percussion director for two campuses and I also assist as the band so I still get on the podium from time to time but my main focus is building the percussionist from six all the way through high school um but yet and still I would not be prepared to do what I'm able to do, which is teaching across ultimately what seven, seven grades, six through 12. Right. I don't know if I would be able to do that if I didn't spend my formative years teaching beginner flute, beginner clarinet, beginner sax, beginner percussion, all of that kind of stuff. So yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that so much. No, seriously, because I think that is the people listening right now need to hear that, that yeah. middle school's not as intimidating as you might think it is. And just with anything new, like if you are, I do have listeners that teach all the way K to 12, you know, in the smaller yeah, yeah. schools. And so um, it is doable. And it's just like anything new, 
getting in there mm-hmm. and doing it is just learning as you go and you right. will figure it out. And right. if it's not going as great as you thought it would your first year, mm-hmm. you're, there's always year two. Keep exactly. going in, keep meeting your students where they're at and keep trying. Yeah. That's the main yes, goal. Just yes. don't give I like, up. I like what yeah. you said, trying, because in middle school, those kids are changing from one grade to the next, mm-hmm. right? The that's kid true. I met in sixth grade is not necessarily going to be the kid that's in eighth grade. Yeah. Right? Like they might've been the quiet, shy kid, and they still may be that to a certain extent, mm-hmm. but it's up to me to be able to help them kind of flesh that out to know when, where, and how to do that. And so it's just waking up every day. And I think that's the biggest thing. Like most people, and I don't think this is a bad thing. I don't want to say this as it being, you know, neg- negative, but I think a lot of people don't want to try, right? I think with seventh, second graders and first graders, you pretty much get the same kid every day, you know, yeah. because they're just, they're just, you know, they just cute little kids, man. They're but excited. You, yeah. Right, right, yeah. right. But when yeah. you get to middle school, you have to know that they're changing not only week to week, month to month, but period to period, mm, right? Like that's good. what they experienced in homeroom or in second period or, you know, on the bus stop getting, getting to school might have sent their whole day bad. And so the student you saw yesterday is the same student, but they're learning how to deal with the issues of growing up. Somebody yeah. said something to me. A teacher was rude. My parent didn't say they love me when I got out of the car today. So that, that makes me feel a type of way, you know? So we have to be really patient and graceful and mm-hmm. loving. And I think that that can be hard sometimes because we as adults are dealing with things as well. So, oh, so true. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of teachers, not just music teachers, but teachers are yeah. guilty. I know, thinking back to some of the teachers I had, mm-hmm. just guilty of being like, keep going, even if I was feeling a certain way or having emotions. It's like, I knew, like, you know, you still got to do the work. Right, you right, you right, can't just sure. sit there and be lazy, but it's also like, I mean, y'all have no idea what I just went through at home exactly. and I'm bringing it back to school and I'm having to just deal with it. And so yeah. be labeled as quiet or you're not wanting to participate or what's wrong with you. And just like, first of all, don't call the kids out because that's embarrassing them. Second exactly. of all, like you said, sometimes they're going through things that you could never even realize. Like, I love how you said that even from period to period. Yeah, man. Day to day, it can change because something and I had may have to, happened. Yeah. And I had to learn that, you know, by in my second year, you know, third year teaching, I had to figure out tools that I could use because a kid may come in and be super, what we would call insubordinate and, you know, what disrespectful. But I'm like, okay, what has happened? So what does it look like for me to say, hey, let's talk outside real quick. Everybody else, pull out your pencils, go to this piece. We're going to be looking at measures X, Y, Z. Go ahead and go over those measures. I want to pick up there. We step outside. What's going on? At that moment, that student is probably going to do one or two things. They're going to shut down further because this is something that you've never done and they don't know whether Mm -hmm. to trust it or they're going to break down crying or have an emotional outburst because they feel comfortable enough to say, I'm going through this, or this yeah. teacher did this, or this boy said this to me, whatever the case may be. Then in that moment, you say, hey, we got a job to do in here. I got to still teach. You still got to learn. Let's figure out the, the, the quick fix for right now. I want you to go to the restroom, get yourself together, meet me back in the classroom. After class, we can talk to this. I'll write you a pass to your next class. Yeah. What that does is wonders for that kid. It does not solve the situation it does not change the outcome of what they may be going through because i don't it it would be 
it would be too prideful of us to feel like I can fix this in this moment. What you can do is just be an ear. You can be a voice of reason, a voice of advice, even if that child is in the wrong. I've had some students that have said, well, it happened, yada, yada, yada. I said, well, you know you're in the wrong. Well, I know, but they... We'll talk mm-hmm. about this after class. What I need from you right now is I need you to commit to learning. If I'm going to commit to teaching you, I'll say, I got things happening in my life as well, but I'm here to learn. I'm here to teach you. So let's do that. And we could talk afterwards. And man, that, that did wonders for my teaching where kids would even come in and tell me ahead of time. Mr. McLean, if I say like, I'm like not paying attention. I got cool. All right. I need you to be focused though. Don't let that allow you to cause disruptions for the rest of the class. And it, yeah. it just worked. You know, it worked for me to just take time to be patient. And I get it, especially for my, my middle school band directors. You are working towards your district or, or counties, uh, you know, concert contests or whatever, preparing kids for region band or all city or all district. I get it. It's pressure. Yeah. Uh, but that pressure cannot take away from the direction that the kids need, from the care that they need, um, because if so, then the things you're trying to accomplish won't ever happen. It, mm-hmm. You'll just be spinning your wheels. So yeah, that's what's helped me. Yeah. Man. I love that. No, you're taking the time to get to know your kids and yeah. you're not just moving past the issues or scaling over it or being like, just be quiet. We got things to do. And then you never address the issue again. You're right. letting your students know they can't approach you. And I think that's mm-hmm. like you said, it may be uncomfortable the first time if this is brand new and you've never done that, but it doesn't mean give up, you mm-hmm. know, keep making an effort this is the perfect segue into talking about intentional bridge building. So I would love for you to just, first of all, talk about what that means to maybe our listeners right now who don't know what that means to them. Okay. So, and forgive me, I don't want to put anybody off, but when I'm talking about bridge building, Mm -hmm. I really get that from my kind of Christian biblical background and I'm not going to go too far into religion or anything like that. But uh, when I think about, building a bridge I'm, I'm thinking about trying to create a safe place uh to connect with kids to ultimately get them to learning whatever i'm trying to teach in our case it's, it's music ed um my mother was an educator um and principal and all that and so she told me when i got into teaching she said you're gonna run into uh an uneven thing here right where uh ultimately we would love to be 50 percent pedagogy and 50%, you know, relationship building. But most of the time when you walk into a classroom, it's probably going to be 90% relational and 10% pedagogy. That's just what it is. The kids are just learning you, you're just learning the kids. And if we be honest, growing and and quality teachers are still learning the content. Mm -hmm. Nobody has walked into the classroom and said, I have it all figured out, right? Yeah, for (laughs) sure. (laughs) Yeah. And so... So the goal is to get that 90 down to, you know, 50%, you know, to be able to even it out so we can focus in here without Mm -hmm. taking away from that. And so what I had to learn um, in the classroom is that I had to build bridges. I had to be intentional about creating a, a, a bridge of meeting my students in the middle. This bridge is to take my student from knowing nothing, right? and learning this 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 content that is really foreign to them. I mean, they've heard of music, they've listened to it, they might have even sang it in their church, but the logistics and the specifics that go along with learning it is very different and it's uncomfortable. Right. And most people, most of us Americans, whether wherever you're born, 
Mm. We don't come out of the womb learning counts and beats and key signatures and musical terms. What we do come out of the womb learning is English and learning how to talk and how to use our voice. And then we learn numbers, like we learn our letters because these are the things that help us communicate, right? Mm -hmm. So you do that for the first, you know, eight, <laughs> 10 years of your life. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, unless you've been in some type of environment, you're now met with black dots with a black stem. If it's in 4-4, four, four, it gets one beat. Yeah. This is new information. And most yeah. of us get very uncomfortable. When we have to learn something new, right? I was right. uncomfortable in, in my Spanish class from eighth grade all the way through college because I just didn't, you know what I'm saying? It was just, it oh, was unnatural man, yes. to me, right? Yeah. And so yeah. you're more apt to not raise your hand. You're more apt to not really want to be involved because we don't want to seem dumb or seem stupid or ignorant or we don't know, right? Yes. And so in my mind, the bridge is me leaving my comfortability of a music educator and walking to the middle and the student walking from what they don't know, or what they think they may not know and meeting in the middle to make them feel comfortable to walk into this new environment. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how I visually, I'm, I'm a visual person. So that's kind of how I see yeah. it in my brain is that there's this bridge that I have to build to make them want to walk across it, not even want to learn music. I just need to be a bridge to make them feel comfortable to walk across this bridge, to meet me, to go into an uncomfortable place where they're going to make mistakes. They're going to say the wrong answer. They're going to put two beats instead of one, you know, all of these things. And so once I got that in my head and I had to realize every day is a bridge that we're building. Every day is something that we're making them feel more comfortable with. And Obviously, you know, for my, my middle school directors and even my elementary teachers, when you get those kids into your elementary program or your band program, the first few years are, are building those bridges. That, that first grade, kindergarten, second grade, you know, they're learning your, your culture and how to stand at the door and where to sit when they come in the room. For the band kids, they're learning where do I put my instrument? Where, how do I put it together? Do I spin my clarinet while I'm waiting to start class or you know do I sit at band set and finger through scales or work through the warm-up in my head whatever the case may be and so you're building that bridge for the fortitude for the next few years of seventh and eighth grade or the next few years of third fourth and fifth where they're now turning into the leader the helper the all-city kid the kid that couldn't make a good tone quality in, in sixth grade, but all of a sudden is now one of the better players. And so that's, that's what I had in my head. And that, that's what I, I think I try to do even now in my new school district and, and, and uh, new, new job that I've been in. Well, not new anymore. I've been there a mm -hmm. year, but going into my second year, learning furthermore, how can I, how can I build bridges? How can I be effective in helping these kids, not just learn music, but really learn how to be better at whatever they're going to be doing in their life. Yeah. So, I love that analogy. No, I'm a big a visual learner too. And I'm big on analogies. I think that's great. And um, one thing I was thinking of is I'm guilty of this too. When you start out, you're so excited to teach the musical content mm -hmm. that you a lot of times just jump right in and do it. And you're not yeah. working on the relationship part of it. But like you also said, there's so much more, um, involved with teaching besides just teaching like yeah. how do you hold your instrument where do you sit how do you come in right. the room where do, what do you do if you need to go pick an instrument off the shelf where do you sit after you get it where do your hands go so many right. things yeah and yeah. a lot of times i feel like that's where the frustration in classes come from mm -hmm. is where the kids don't know really what they're supposed to be doing you know in yeah. regards to those things right but you're like but i'm going to teach you music right and it, 
And so, yeah, well, let me get into that a little further. What are ways music teachers can build bridges in their classrooms? So I think we have, you know, these textbook uh, kind of formats and, and processes and procedures, right? Where, mm-hmm. you know, you ask a kid certain questions. Hey, how, what do you think about this? All these different things, which I think are great in essence. Uh, but I think what teachers can do to really build bridges, A, you need to know your context. One of the things that I hate, uh, we have TMEA out here. It's the music convention. Every state has one. Right. Um, and sometimes some of the uh, things that are being taught and, and given out in the seminar, I think it's great content. I really do. But I think what they miss is that everybody classroom, everybody's community, everybody's makeup, everybody's, you know, demographics is different. And we handicap teachers when we don't tell them that it's okay to change or remix or reform what it is I'm saying. And even me right now, whatever I'm telling you, I don't want you to feel, I know we are in this heightened, you know, race relations right now in the community and in the world. And and that's a whole nother conversation, but don't let my information taint what you do in your classroom. Right. If you teach majority, you know, white kids, Mm-hmm. Hey, take what I'm saying and figure out how that meets those kids in that community, right? I'm I'm not saying my everything I'm saying is golden. What I'm saying is there's some there's some some relevance to it. You just got to do the hard work to figure out what's in your room. Right. And I think the first thing that we can do is do the research. How am I building a bridge that is an actual bridge and not more so just something that makes me feel safe, mm-hmm. right? And so for me, I talked about me taking Spanish. Um I wish, I wish, man, my mother, she is so smart. She made me take three years of Spanish in high school, more than what I needed to. (laughs) Um, Because she said, you never know what type of classroom you're going to be in. And um, you need to be prepared to reach those kids. And I was like, mama, I'm, man, you know what I'm saying? And it was super, (laughs) super like just ignorant. I I hate to even say that I said that, but nevertheless, I took those years. I didn't take it seriously. I wish I would have had, oh, there was another Spanish teacher on the campus at my high school where she made the kids start speaking the language, like after the first two weeks of school, like after the first two weeks, if you didn't like your grade was based on you actually. And I think I would have learned better like that. Me doing book work and things, but nevertheless, I said all that to say, when I got to my first school with Eric, I taught a most, mostly Latino-based community. There were a few African-American kids. There were some few uh, Caucasian kids. But for the most part, it was a Latino community. And um, over time, I definitely learned words and learned some broken Spanish. And, and yeah. I was able to communicate. But that was a context that I had to learn. And I grew up with plenty of kids from the Latin community. I grew up in a mixed school setting, you know, and things of that nature. Um but I should have taken that a little bit more seriously because that could have helped build my bridge stronger, right? During those right. early years. And yeah. so I think it's learning who's in your classroom, learning what the kids like, learning their uh, family backgrounds, and then bringing that in. And this may lead us into the next thing. Like, what are some things mm-hmm. that we could actually do? Yeah. Um, so like for me, I would play music um, in my classroom in the mornings. Right. So when the kids would come in to practice for morning practice before they went to homeroom, I would have music playing softly. Now, I did both things. I wanted to build a bridge so I could learn them and feel comfortable around them and they could feel around me. So I played a lot of gospel music. I played, uh, you know, some some R&B stuff. I played some safe hip hop, you know, Um, but at the same time, I also 
was I grew up around Selena and Norteña music, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I pulled mm-hmm. some of those people and they'd be like, Miss McLean, what are you doing? I was like, I, I felt like hearing this. What's... And so then that would open them up to say, okay, well, you need to listen to these people. Don't listen to this group. Listen to these people, right? I love that, yeah. And so it is this, I don't know. I mean, we, we all know music is a universal language. You yeah. and me, I'm an African-American male. You yep. are a Caucasian woman. Yep. We are sitting here having a conversation, and I feel like I've known you my whole life. Yep. But I think that's simply because music draws us together. And right. so we don't have to do this, you know, extenuous, like, extra work. Just yeah. use the very tools we've been doing all our lives, yeah. you know, and be okay with, you know, I'm now listening to a lot of music that my children, my, my students open me up to that even my kids love. Right. Yeah. And so uh, I think knowing your context, getting to know the people in your room and then being intentional about using that yeah. in the room. Like, how can I be how like what did that music do for those kids when they came to my room and we had to play through a grade three Brian Balmage's piece or we had to learn um you know whatever you know a christmas mm-hmm. piece for our, mm-hmm. our holiday concert mm-hmm. it made them more apt to pay attention <laughs> made them more apt to be respectful to what we were doing because I, I uh we were able to have that that common ground there yeah so a couple things you said that made me really think um i was that teacher that sat in several workshops yeah. and like you said such good content mm-hmm. but i remember thinking of my students my school was about 95 percent black students Right. Thinking if I took this <laughs> back to my school and tried it with them tomorrow, you know, the looks I would get. Trouble. Right. And so right. I did a couple right. of them. I'm like, Oh, cool. That's a cool folk dance. We're right. going to try Alabama gal or whatever it was. And you should have seen these kids looking at me like, yeah, just <laughs> who's Great. Alabama gal. Right. What are, who is she? What do you mean? Peel the banana. So now you like, that makes no minute. sense. And I'm like, right. oh, oh my you gosh. sitting there like, wait a minute. They didn't say this would happen. <laughs> I was like, that wasn't in the instructions <laughs> and it wasn't in the, you know, order of directions of right, what to do right. if it does fail. And so right, right, right. Oh, I am such a big believer in that. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh, meet your kids where mm-hmm. they're at, modify instruction to meet them because you can have, you know, I don't know, a 200 page curriculum that has everything yeah. laid out and it's so awesome. And yeah, maybe two things out of that would work maybe. Right. And it's just, oh, and I hate saying that because then I know music teachers are listening to me going, wait, what? You mean I got to go find <laughs> other stuff. Yes. Because yeah, yeah. It, it, it makes, makes it harder, but it also, when I did do that and mm-hmm. realized this isn't working, I realized what can I do that would work. Right. And that is when I started finding things that really worked. And like you said, let my kids, we would have like some reward days where on Fridays they could bring their music in and they mm. were told it's school appropriate. Of course. Um, course. The kids taught me how to Dougie. Talk look at that boy. Did look at I that. look special doing it? Of course I did, but <laughs> I did it with them. And they, I mean, that broke down some walls. It was yeah. really like, okay, here's this right. white teacher letting right. this teacher this stuff. You know? mm-hmm. And so, and it is a lot of it is getting out of your comfort zone because yeah. that's for me personally, it was like, they know they can see me. They know my skin color. They know I have right, not taught right. in this school before. Right. I also hadn't been music at my school for seven years. And so wow. I knew if I try to just do, you know, what if, you know, yeah, like, or what I had yeah. just learned at college and like, mm-hmm. oh, look, I have all this, you know, what I thought was in a toolkit to bring to my students. Right. It, it wouldn't have worked for a couple of reasons because yeah. of the demographic of students I was teaching, but also the random music for seven years. Right, so right, I had right. to just build it up. But I love that you um, mentioning that was so 
I mean, it stuck out to me because it's so true and it's so yeah. hard because that is something I feel like that is missing that yeah. you can adapt it. Maybe it's the song, but all the things going along with the song won't work. Will you take right. the song and say, what can I do to this? Right. And you know? I also think, I think what you said is, is really cool too, that the students are learning from you because you can take that same yeah. thing and turn it around and insert us as like we as music teachers we can teach music for anything yeah. so what does it look like for me to pull something back that they've shown me and say hey guys we're talking about beat today mm -hmm. can you tell me where this beat is and you play that song and now they're ultimately like they are like engaged and you're teaching about tempo and beat yeah. because you played a song that they know right rather than playing you know John Jacob Jingleheimer Smith, like, which is great, right? I, yes. I love that song. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. if they hear the Dougie or whatever song may be mm -hmm. popular, Bruno Mars, and you're like, hey, let's figure out tempo for this song. They're going to be like, oh, I know this song. I, I can figure this out. And so, boom, now you're pulling real world things to teach contextual stuff that um, then you can go right back behind it and say, okay, that tempo was a little bit fast. Mm -hmm. Let's play this folk song. Where's the tempo on this piece? Right. And now they're yeah. using information to learn new information, which yeah. is kind of like the whole crux of what we do. Right. To yeah. use prior to explain new. And so um, I like that, man. I, I like that being out of that, that comfort zone, man. It's, it's yeah. letting students know that it's, it's a two way street in here. Right. Obviously, I'm the owner of this road. I got to right. make sure we mm -hmm. get down it right. And all we know all of those things as teachers. But at the same time, I'm still learning from you. You're going to say something that I, you might say an illustration or an analogy or, or, or how it helped, what helped you learn this new thing that I'm teaching that right. I can throw in my bag and use. So, yeah. 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 Like students can teach you. You just have to let them. Right. And it's so important. Um, I was thinking back real quick to something Elizabeth Caldwell was on my podcast and she talked oh. about, um, she said there was a student that she asked, what's your favorite song? And he said, I don't have a favorite song. What do you mean you don't have a favorite song? And she's, she's like, everybody has a favorite song. I don't have, I don't, I don't listen to music. She's like, what do you mean? So she said she saw him either waiting for a car or his bus or whatever it was after school. Yeah. And he had headphones in. So she pulled it out and listened and he was listening to his a favorite song. And she right, said, right. you're listening to a song right now. He's like, oh, I thought you meant what was my favorite song from music class. Like mm. he didn't associate music mm. class being music that he listens to outside of school there right. was a disconnect and i think when you're talking about forming a bridge i think a lot of kids do that because they yeah. think you're just you're teaching this stuff in here but outside of music i'm listening to this so i love that you said show kids you can find a steady beat in the tempo and dynamics right. and songs you listen to every right. day and they're like yeah. oh those songs yeah. have that in them too you know mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah so true yeah for sure so good yeah even i was working through a piece one time and it was this minor section and the kids we were trying to deal with intonation and minor keys and trying to help their ears hear okay how what do you do with this pitch and this minor chord and this march that we're playing and so they was like oh i don't i don't know and i was like you should love this chord because this is a chord that makes up most of the music that you listen to. And they're like, what do you mean? <laughs> so, you know, I got my little yeah. keyboard there. So I play a song and I'm just playing minor chords or minor scales, or I'm listening to the song because I play in church and I just pick up the song that quick. And then I'm like, these are chords that you're hearing in this song. It's just shaped differently against the melody that you've heard in this other song. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, yeah, it is, man, it's, it's a tool that keeps on teaching. Yeah. Love that. So elementary music teachers, music teachers in general, 
whether you teach elementary, middle, or high school, are limited in the amount of time you see your kids. Right. And I know a lot of times I've heard from teachers say, but how am I supposed to build a relationship with my students when I have to get through so much instruction yeah. and let's say in a 45 minute class period and you know, right. that's an average. So mm-hmm. what are your suggestions for music teachers to build a relationship with their students when they don't see them very often? Man, I think, I think one of the things that I used to do uh, was building leaders it, like when I taught elementary music or not taught a student taught for that mm-hmm. small window, um, I had little things that the kids could do. So like we would do this rhythm stick um, exercise, right? Where we had this chart of different rhythms and I would click them out and then the students would do the same thing. So it might've been quarter note, eighth note, quarter note, eighth note, right? And they have yeah. to do it at the same tempo that I do it at. Well, I would allow certain kids to come up and we just call it like freestyle Fridays. Basically it was, Mm -hmm. it was letting them come up. And I said, you have to use the rhythms from the rhythm bank, but you can mix them up however you want to. Right. And you get to see the, this is crazy, but (laughs) you saw the personality of not only the kids, but the music that they listen to. So Mm, just the level of tempos, just the style of the rhythm and it was, I mean, it was, it was refreshing. It was, it was really exciting because the kids would come in and they would want it like right away. Oh, are we going to, are we going to be able to do um, rhythm time and free? And I was like, well, I actually have to teach something today, but <laughs> if you do it, you know, if you do what we need to do, I'll try to give us some time today, but we'll make sure we get to it on mm-hmm. Friday. So that was one thing, like just having a, and it could be, it could be rhythm. It could be whatever, you know, cool thing for me, it was rhythm because the kids really liked it. And they like to kind of copy me and see how much, you know, they would come in class and be like, I bet I can learn this rhythm faster than you. And um, so that was really cool. Another thing that's, that was, that's really exciting is having kids uh, maybe pick like each day of the week, um, having the students pick like, what was your song of this week? Or or what's the song of the week that'll play in the classroom as you guys come in every day this week? Like, give me, Mm -hmm. give me your favorite artist that you like. And I know all the elementary, you know, music teachers you got, y'all have you get kids line up, they walk in, they go to their spots. In that, I don't know, 60 minute to maybe two minute process, what does it look like to play a song while they come in? And granted, I know this is scary because it gets them all hype and, and more energetic. Uh, but it allows them to look forward to walking into your room yeah. and getting into whatever it is you're teaching because I know when I go to uh, when I go to music class, they're gonna play my song because I mm-hmm. got to pick song of the week. And so you get to see the 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 identity, you get to see the 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 culture of your classroom, you know. Yeah. So every Friday or at the end of each week, who's picking my song for next week? Who's been doing what needs to be done? They pick that song. Monday morning, they come. They might have had a bad morning. They might have gotten into some trouble on the bus, but they know. Wait a minute, I picked the song last week. So we get to listen to, you know, Justin Bieber as we go mm-hmm. sit in our seat or whatever the case may mm-hmm. be. So those are just two things that I think will work really well uh, yeah. in those classrooms. Yeah. gets Like you said, it gets them excited to come in. Yeah. And yeah. I think even though it's like, you know, kind of a peppy thing to have them come in the room to fast music, there's still yeah. ways you can settle them down or oh, yeah. it'll lead perfect. It's just a beginning of the classroom procedure. Um, you know, whatever that may look like for you, but just starting them on the same way every time they come in, even though it's a different song, I think is awesome. The kids will know. And they are, you know, just be, you know, with your instructions after the song's done, we're going right into 
dot, 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 whatever that is. So just being clear with your instructions, I think is, you know, noted and important. All right, well, Justin, I wanna ask you this. So when it comes to kids being labeled as bad in the music room, you know what I'm talking about. There's always gonna be those behavior problem kiddos, um, unfortunately, but um, that's not always the case. Their behavior's there, yes, but what I mean is a lot of times it's there's something else going on behind the scene. And Mm -hmm. so how do you, well, you've already talked about building relationships with the kiddos. Right, so is right, that right, how right. you approach that with these kids who are just viewed as bad? And one thing that bothers me about that is there's teachers who will automatically assign these labels to the students before you've even had a chance to get to know them. Right. And yeah. and they're just automatically like, watch out for that child before I've right. even like met them. And I don't like that. I want to ha- have them come into my room on a completely mm-hmm. even playing field without me having any unless it's an IEP, I need to be aware of, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. behavior-wise, like, let me get to know the child on my own. Anyways, I just want to hear yeah. all your thoughts about everything I just said there, because <laughs> I know that was a lot. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to say that building a bridge and, and doing all of that stuff is its own thing. I don't know if that necessarily is the one, the you know, the end-all, be-all, and fix-it-all for um, – students that have behavior problems. And what I've come to know and, and come to understand is that those kids may never act like that in my classroom. Matter of fact, in all of my teaching and my years of being an educator, for the most part, nine times out of 10, most of those kids never even show that off in my room. Mm. And I think part of that is because what you said, I'm going to get to know them. And then my standard is for everybody in the room. I think sometimes once we get those kids and we hear that, that, that rhetoric and that narrative, mm-hmm. we automatically become teachers that are, this is for this pattern of students. And then this is for you. And once the kid notices that, then they, they're already going to go the opposite direction because you've shown this partiality. You've, you've shown this kind of like separation between he, she, and the rest of the kids. Mm-hmm. But for me, when you come in my room, these are my standards. These are my expectations. This is how we run my room. This is what we do. This is how we operate. And, and we're going to go from there. And then in those moments where that kid shows some of those behavior problems and whether that's just because they're – up and about kid, or maybe they have some other things going on outside of the classroom. Now I know how to gauge my classroom. Now I know what are some of my buzzwords? What are some things that I do naturally as a teacher that may, because for me, I'm, I'm at times I can joke and I can play and we can, you know, have that moment. But if I know that I'm teaching this period and that students in my class, then I want to be very careful. I don't want to change who I am. I don't want to change the culture of my room, but I know that I, am the temperature setter. I I set everything in the room. So at moments where I know I could probably, like this class, I could probably be a little bit more funnier because they know how to get back on track. This class, I'm going to do it right in the open. And then the rest of the class, we got to stay to business Mm -hmm. because they they have a tendency to get off track and it may be hard for some of them to get back on. And so I think it's setting your precedence early, not setting this is what I expect, but I've heard about you or you need to, you need to sit over here. And then The other thing I also do is, especially in the middle school group, is when I have those kids that are in band, I put them next to kids that are leaders, right? Mm, I put those kids next to kids that can help them do things better. Now, you got to be careful because we all have those kids in our band band programs, our orchestra, choir, music programs. 
that affect other kids but have a tendency to be affected as well so you got to know the difference in between right. those kids that are going to be like hey chill we we, we playing <laughs> right now and the difference between the kids is like i mean that was kind of funny you know what i'm saying so you have to you got to yes. gauge that you got to know your community you got to know your yeah. your environment um but never trust what other teachers tell you because you don't know how other teachers run their room you don't know yeah. what kind of school they were in before and the kids are always looking for a new slate and most of the time i've had other teachers um the math teacher the science teacher come to me about a student and said what are you doing how are you they come in here they every time i see them they're in your class with all their supplies and i really i wish that i could tell them this magical trick but i just mm -hmm. i'm just honest i said there's a certain way i run my classroom we have a conversation. If there are moments where he, he or she may have a day, we have our conversation and we get to it. But I'm not, I'm not going to come down and teach at this level that people say you need to be taught at. Right. I'm going to teach up here and yeah. I'm going to work at my level and I'm going to yeah. push you to come up here. Yeah. Right. Because Good. some of the behavior problem is because they feel inferior or they feel like they're being taught down to mm -hmm. instead of being brought up to a standard. Mm -hmm. And I think if we have enough patience, and enough time to teach up to our stand, whatever that is. If in your elementary music class, it is we are silent whenever I'm passing out, you know, music books or passing out music instruments, then you remind them of that. And you remind them of that by also telling that to other kids and explaining to them, I'm not holding anybody else in this classroom to a different standard. Everybody's at the same standard. So while I'm passing out these rhythm sticks or I'm passing out these recorders, I need you to be silent so we can move about in our class properly. Yeah. And once they see you talking to everybody else, because what they've what they're used to is being talked at as the kind of exterior or or the uh the the you know the scapegoat of the classroom or being given extra directions like, hey, everybody, now remember, do you even have your pencil? Did you come mm, prepared today? Once true. that happens, then that kid is in a place of like, well, what am I even doing here? Yeah. But if I'm the teacher and I'm saying, Hey, does everybody have their stuff today? Thank you. Let's get to work then he doesn't feel or she doesn't feel, mm -hmm. you know, X'd out. She feels a part of this community mm -hmm. that everybody's being held to the same standard, yeah. that everybody's being pushed uh, to the expectation of the teacher. So yeah. that's kind of what's worked for me. I love that. And even like you said, in an elementary music class too, just even the simplest procedures and yeah. them and knowing what to expect. And what I'm getting right. at is I, when I started doing that, I had a procedure for everything. The mm -hmm. kids, I mean, I remember, except for when music was being made, obviously, singing course, instruments, course, yeah. all that. There's noises right, right, in music right, right. that should be there. But then yeah. I would have, even my principal sometimes on observations would be like, how do you have them so quiet when you're teaching? <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? I just didn't know there was any difference. I, exactly, you know, I was like, because exactly. I, I expected that from them. And I knew that. But I was laughing because, and I want to know if this has happened to you, when there's a new student that would arrive mm -hmm. and uh, <laughs> they would be trying to talk or messing around with something and everybody was and like what, what everybody they would, they would look at me and then look at this kid and look back at me and go no. right and right, i remember right. a couple of my students miss Preston doesn't play don't, right. don't play you need to stop and i was right, like right. they would like help me out without me having yeah, to say because yeah, they just knew but, but, but they'd be waiting they knew the kid was right. new so they're like is she gonna give give this because child they life? knew they understood <laughs> yeah. that there was a level of consistency yes that every day they came to music class it was gonna be something new fresh yeah. and different but it was gonna be the same format we, yes. we're not gonna change what we're doing i may introduce a new idea new song new yeah. musical idea but the same format by which we get to it is gonna be the same and so yeah. no i have man i've gotten kids that have 
been inserted into my classroom because they got in band late or mm-hmm. they got in like the third week of school instead of the first few weeks of their schedule right. was messed up. Which and that's so hard anyways, isn't it? That's super hard. Yeah. But I'm already in a system. The kids, yeah. you know, most of the kids already know what to do. Right. So when this new kid comes in, they're very much like, wait, nobody's talking. <laughs> it, How do I hold my I instrument? Just, I don't know what to Right, do. right. And nobody, <laughs> like, they're just kind of like, why would you do that? You know, and so, yeah. and then I have to pull them aside and say, hey, we're already kind of in our process. Yep. So I'm going to link you up with this student. They're going to get you caught up on what to do. They're going to be your neighbor, your buddy, if, if you will. And and so, That's but good. yeah, yeah. It's a testament to consistency. That's one thing we mm-hmm. have to do as teachers. Mm-hmm. And whatever you teach, it is consistency. When I see lack of uh, connection, lack of yeah. relationship building, is because we took one day off or we took one period off and then it threw off everything. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. One thing when we were talking about what you were going to discuss today about building bridges that came to mind for me, and Mm -hmm. I get asked this a lot, is the bridge going from, you know, elementary music to a secondary music program. And um, I could go a couple different ways with this question. But first of all, I want to ask you this. Can you tell when the kids come into your middle school band program, the kids who have had music or equality music instruction versus the ones who don't or do you just kind of everybody starts on the same playing field listen (laughs) one of my biggest things and and this may not be the the pc or you know or going with everything but i'm a big component of music programs in elementary schools and not band programs you know if you have the wherewithal to do it and do it well Mm -hmm. by all means do it Mm -hmm. but i just wish that we have more music teachers that were just like indebted to just teaching music education from the early childhood to fifth grade. What I would get, I would know because at the school that I got to, there would be some elementary programs around the community that fed into my middle school. So there would be kids that would say, oh, I was in the fourth and fifth grade band. When I left third grade, we got a chance to be in the band. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So this, you know, my first year is being the director of band. So I'm like, oh, that's great. You know, I could, beef up some of the numbers in my second band my developing band my concert band um and maybe insert some of those kids into the jazz band so i could kind of build that infrastructure to always replenish my group but what i started realizing is these kids couldn't play they didn't have good Mm -hmm. tone quality they didn't know proper fingering and technique um they couldn't even play you know a concert b flat scale whole notes at 75 beats per minute and if you've been in band for two years I'm not saying you should come to me being able to play grade four, grade three music, but you should be at a very base, at the lowest level, at least concert B flat scale, yeah. one octave, right. quarter notes and half notes. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But these kids couldn't do that. Then when I would put those, those kids in my band class, they would be so like, man, they would just be so anxious. And so like, I don't know any of this. Why? What's the time signature? Why is he asking us to clap and count? Why are we sight reading? What, you know, slurring? What is, you know, and all of these things that I spent so much time in my, my students, sixth grade beginner band. I mean, it was boot camp. We're trying to make you prepare for next level competitive band, region band, all, all that kind of stuff. Right. Right. And so halfway through that, I just started saying, I don't care if you were an elementary band. You're going to go to beginner band. I'm sorry. Unless there was only one uh, band program in in the uh, elementaries that fed my middle school that 
put out quality kids, but he was a former middle school and high school band director that was teaching elementary music and develop. I mean, these kids could play. They were fourth mm-hmm. and fifth graders. He had them on a strict regime. If they wanted to be in band, they had to attend his summer band camp at the school, all of these things. Right. Um, and they were taking private lessons. So I was like, if you came from this school, you, you can move <laughs> into my second band. Right. Or, or you can, yeah. you, you may even be able to top out and be into my, my top performing ensemble. Uh, but for the most part, um, I knew the kids that came from those band programs. Then on the other hand, I had kids who came from schools who didn't have band programs, but they had a music program, Mm -hmm. right? They had a music teacher, but then I would be introducing basic things, just the beginner music theory stuff. Just here's a quarter note or talking about tempo and beat and now every song has a beat and we're going to center that around numbers and those numbers expand and this, that, and the third, right? Yeah. And I would get kids that would be like, what, what's a quarter note? like what and in my mind i'm like okay even if the music teacher wasn't like super invested but just talk Mm -hmm. you know basic tenements of our of our school of thought in regards to music they should be able to catch on to this they had no recollection of beat time melody and it was cool for me because the way that i teach i teach Mm -hmm. as though you know nothing and so you'll come out at the end really knowing it and so I, i i started to notice and i started to ask i said how many of you had uh, music in your ancillary or your specials classes in elementary? And out of a class of maybe 30 beginners, maybe 10 kids raised their hands. And the other kids, I said, well, what did you guys do? Well, we watched, we watched videos. Um, we kind of listened to some things. But a lot of times we didn't have music. Or, and I was like, wow. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. This is what's happening. And so what, what hurts is you get these kind of musical literate kids that come to you and not of their own fault, but because they aren't being invested to in their school system or in their right. elementary school, then they come to me where they're going to get a, a very robust and orthodox, you know, music introduction and program. But then I feel bad for some of those kids that continue at other middle schools who the band program is not concerned about being of success and of, mm-hmm. you know, standard, then they go to high school. And so they've had, you know, six to seven years, of just maybe subpar music training. And then you get to high school and it's like, we got marching band, we got marching competition. We have all of these things. So I could definitely tell um, what kids knew and what kids didn't know. And so that's why I'm just, I just preach and and say, hey man, just teach the kids the basics. Help Mm -hmm. them know melody, help them know terms like tempo and speed and, you know, help them know, time signatures help them know what a quarter note can they count an eighth note can they count a 16th note you know yeah and that helps us in the long run and the school district that i'm in now i can definitely tell and don't get me wrong when i was in my former school district i loved it uh there were some schools that were really solid and those Mm -hmm. kids came to me and it was just like opening the door for them once i opened the door they were like oh that's oh okay cool and they were running with it which allowed me to pay more attention to some of those kids who didn't get that infrastructure that was Mm -hmm. needed so Yes, I can. I can. On one hand, I got these kids that didn't have music programs and did. And then I got kids that were in band, but really weren't. So it, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And so trying to figure out how to meet them all where they're at is probably just yeah. pretty interesting. Yeah, I could see yeah. that. So we've talked about so much today. And I would yes. just love for you to share any other closing thoughts you have for elementary music teachers before we go. Well, I would think that one of the biggest things that's really helped me is 
building a a community, a family, if you will. Um, I had one of my former band students in middle school. He ended up not playing in high school. He was a, one of those athlete guys, but really good student. Um, he recently, you know, he's done with high school, has been doing some uh, junior college things and is looking to take the next step. So he sent me a message on Instagram and he was like, hey, Mr. McLean, I'd love to talk to you. I have some questions. I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do next. Um, in my life in regards to college. Now, I taught his cousin who was in my band. He was a French horn player, knew the family fairly well. Mm -hmm. um, and we, you know, we keep in contact. They'll send me messages on Facebook or on when I had my our last child, they, congratulations, all of these things. But I haven't really talked to him in, in a real sense in some years. Um, and so I called him, we talked, I gave him, you know, what I thought was very good advice and, and just gave him some tools to kind of help make a decision between what would be his next step. Mm -hmm. And in my mind, I don't know if that's a normal thing for most band directors, right? right. Um, and I think he's not the only one. That's just one story that I can think of. But yeah. I have kids hit me up all the time, even at the former school that I taught, uh, the high school and middle school, some of those kids you know, they contacted me via email, via, you know, text message and asked questions about how do I deal with this new director? How do I deal mm -hmm. with this new environment? And I feel like quitting band, you know, all of these different things. Mike, the second group of kids that I ever started on instruments graduated high school this year and they're going off to college. And so oh, wow. they are, you know, hey, I remember when you told me this, I appreciate these words. And I think that's because what I tried to create with the bridge building and all of that mm -hmm. was ultimately I wanted to create a family. I wanted to create this community of kids that, you know, no matter what happens throughout the rest of your day, when you walk in here, this is a family. Yeah. And it helped me speak to things like bullying. If I found out that somebody was being made fun of, you know, I would always joke and say, I'm the, I'm the parent in here. So I'm the only person that can make fun of folks in here. Right. <laughs> Everybody else, we're not doing that. Right. And, and, and so I would, I would make sure we understood. I said, there are differences in this room and, what you like or how you live or things that you do may be different from somebody else, but we're going to respect everybody in this room. Right. And, and I think yeah. that that helped create this foster, uh, th this, this idea of community and family. I can trust these people. And a lot of these kids, uh, my, my middle school at that time went to two different high schools. So some of those kids that started in sixth grade band together, they were each other's best friends in the mm -hmm. midst of, this changing time, they then went to high school and became section leaders and drum majors and officers and, and vice versa. And then at the other school that I ended up teaching it, most of the kids in that band program were in my band program in middle school. Mm. So the success that we had was them growing from sixth grader, knowing nothing, a seventh yeah. grader and, and all of these things. And so um, what I would try to do is I would always preach and teach about the kids that like when we say you guys are the future of this band, when I would go to my middle school and I would say, hey, you're a sixth grader, but in a few years, you'll be the eighth grader and the leader of this band program. And then before you know it, you'll be at the high school. And those kids at the high school would love to come back to the school. They still had the band hoodies that we created Aww. and that, that they bought. They had their band shirts from every year if they bought a new one. Aww, and they would come back to campus um, when I was still just the head director at Hamilton and they would want to talk to the kids. They would say, Hey, this is how this needs to go. This is how you need to be doing this. Listen to Mr. McLean. And then I created an instant, uh, a concept where in the mornings during band practice, when my eighth graders would come in, I would say, instead of you sitting there practicing in your sections, which I think is great, 
take time to sit with those sixth graders, help them because you remember what it mm-hmm. felt like when mm-hmm. you couldn't play. You remember what it felt like when you couldn't get your finger, when you couldn't get the finger in for middle C and you were trying to keep your arm. You, you remember all of those things. Mm-hmm. So help them. And it just, man, it created a bond that a lot of those kids still, they'll send me pictures of, oh, I remember when we went to this field trip and we had this competition and we went to UIL. And so, it is uh it brings my my heart joy and so my oh, advice yeah. to all of you out there is create especially if you're in a system where your elementary kids go to the same middle school and they you know you're in one of those suburban feeder programs mm-hmm. man create a system where kids can come back and invest in your program if that means that those fifth graders that are now in choir and band in the middle school get in contact with your team have a planning session where there could be a field trip where they're not only bringing their band and choir over to promote band, but have spotlights for those kids to speak to your students. We used to do an elementary mm-hmm. band tour to prep up the band drive and get more kids mm-hmm. interested in band. And I would be intentional about going to the schools where the kids remembered their music teacher. They remembered the processes, the culture. And when we would play, we would play our program and in between the programs or in between different songs we would be playing. Um, I would have those kids come up and introduce themselves and introduce the next song. And they would say, I went to the school. I remember Mr. and Mrs. Such and Such. And you guys need to keep going with music and come over to Hamilton and be in the band program. And so it created this, this family. And those kids were like, oh, that's my cousin. Oh, oh, I know him. Or I remember you from last year. You were fifth grader here. How did you, you know? And so um, build a community, man. You won't, you will not be disappointed. If you build a community, if you build that family aspect, not just we're coming to music, but this is this is home. And so um, you have to run kids away from your band hall, you know, and you have to say, hey, I'm on my off period. Right. Let me eat. (laughs) I need Um, a break. (laughs) Right. 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 I need a break. I'm locking my door. Yeah. Uh, But it is it is it is well received. It's well appreciated. And it's a joy. It's something that I'll never forget, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it gives you that confidence and it gives you that fuel to keep going because we all know we have burnout mm-hmm. and there are mm-hmm. moments, there are seasons, there are semesters where you're just like, if I got to do this another day, I'm just over it, right. you know, but, yeah. but to have that, that community and to be reminded of kids that you helped that grew from nothing to something that grew not only in their plan, but just in who they were, it will help you kind of keep pushing along so those kids can be impacted by you. So, mm, so good. So yeah. good. Oh, this whole episode has been amazing. Thank you so and much. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. No, thank you. Like yeah. I, I was, I was talking to Eric and I was just like, this thing is not, we didn't, this is nothing we planned. When I yeah. tell you, we were just like, yeah, we should do a podcast. We should just talk about some of the stuff. And I think that, you know, it allows our voices allows us to connect with a person mm-hmm. like yourself mm-hmm. who, can identify what we're talking about because you've done it, you've lived it. And so more people need to hear about our stories and hear about our classrooms so they can say, wait a minute, I didn't learn this in my CUIN or my educational foundation class, (laughs) but this is just as good as that book they told me to read. And it can help your classroom in so many ways. Oh, for sure. Well, let everybody know where they can connect with you online and keep these conversations going with you. So I'm, um, I'm on the, if you listen to a podcast, we, the score podcast, you can find it on all media outlets. Mm -hmm. I'm on Facebook, Justin McLean, J-U-S-T-I-N-M-C-L-E-A-N. I'm on Twitter. Uh, I think, 
on Twitter, I am. Let me look at that because I'm just not. Uh... No, Twitter's the same for me. Like I have right. a Twitter account, but <laughs> I'm using. I mean, but okay, so my know. Twitter and my Instagram <laughs> are the same. Okay. It's just Mac Music. J U S M A C K M U Z I K. Man, hit me up if you have questions. If you want me or Eric to be on on your show or give you some, mm-hmm. you know tools or whatever we love to do it we're in the process right now we we've done this we're doing some other podcasts we're awesome. collaborating with different people we're also trying to build a platform like you have and interviewing other people that do yes. things that we don't necessarily do or have an understanding to do and so we got different stuff coming up so please reach out yeah. it is time to you know change what we've been doing in music to just help us continue creating new ways and and pushing forward towards the future so thank you so much i really yeah i really appreciate it and i look at your instagram and it's so cool because your kids are really cool so (laughs) well thank you they're yeah yeah, they're a mess but i love them so much (laughs) thank you so much all those links will be in the show notes so you guys make sure to look for that and definitely check out their podcast it's amazing you'll get so much from it and thank you so much for being on the podcast today justin thank you thank you so much for listening in to the elementary music teacher podcast Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, I would love for you to review the show and leave a rating on iTunes. To find out more about how I can help you gain momentum in your elementary music teaching career, head to thedomesticmusician.com where you'll find free downloads, courses, the blog, and so much more. Continue teaching music and never doubt the impact you're making each and every day in the lives of your students.